Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Um, well, this morning we are going to continue our series that we've been going through on a Sunday morning, uh, which is called Building People. And on the first Sunday of this year, on Vision Sunday, I shared the, the vision that God had laid on my heart for us as a church and that word was building for the future because we believe that God is going to do something great within this place before he comes again because we know that God is going to come again very very soon Jesus is coming again but I believe that God wants to do something great we will see lives transformed we will see people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior but you know before all that happens you know as I've said before I believe the revival starts in the house of God before we expect God to move in the nation, we've got to pray that God would move in his church amongst his people. It starts with me. It starts with you. And that all begins by us getting our lives right back with God again. Getting right with God again. Getting back to the basics and putting Jesus first once again in our lives. And as I've shared over these last couple of weeks, everything begins with seeking God at the altar. The altar is that place where we can come before the Lord and we spend with the Lord. It's where we know God, where we grow in our relationship with the Lord. The altar is vital for every single one of us. And if you don't have a personal place where you spend praying and reading God's word, then you will never grow in your relationship with God. But God has given us these ways where we can grow closer and closer to him. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing about those two things that should take place at the altar, which is reading the Bible every single day, and also pray, speaking with our Heavenly Father. And if you haven't been here, then you can catch up on those messages on our podcast. But last time I said that we're going to begin focusing on the corporate altar. I've spoken about personal altar, how we all to have a personal time and a personal place where we grow in our relationship with God. But I mentioned that we're going to start looking how that works corporately together as a church. But as I was praying over the last couple of weeks about what, what to bring on that, and as I even began studying on that, I believe the Lord laid a, a word on my heart just to once again look at this personal altar. And there's a, an important part of this, this building our personal altars within our lives. You know, as I said, it's, it's God's desire for us to grow in our relationship with Him. It is God's heart that you grow in your relationship with Him. He wants that more than you want it. He wants it. He wants to, he made that way as we've just celebrated through sending his precious son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. He made the way possible that we could have a relationship with him. Not a religion. He wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And God has done everything that he can to make that way possible. But the onus is on us to whether we want that, whether we want to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, whether we want to grow in our relationship with him. But as I said, it's God's desire for you and I to grow in our relationship with him. You know, nothing saddens me more when I see people who have been in church for years and years and they never grow in their relationship with God. They never begin to develop that ministry that God has laid within their lives. They just come along in church and that's it. You never see them do anything else. And it's so sad because God has got so much for each and every one of us. He wants to move within our lives. And as I said, that place where that happens is the altar. However, the Bible tells us that we have an enemy. As we've already mentioned this morning, this morning the Bible tells us we have an enemy. His name is Satan. He is the devil. He's a very real being. 
But we need to remember that Satan is a created being. He was created. He's not uh, on par with God. We know that God is is all-powerful, that God has been there from the very beginning, and he'll be there right to the very end. But we know that Satan, he's a created being. And you can study about Satan, how he was an angel. He was a worship leader in heaven, but he caught a glimpse of himself. He saw how great he was, and he thought he was equal with God. And he tried to get some angels to join him in, in throwing God off his throne. But we see that our God throwed him out. You know, because God, there is only one God, and his name is Jesus. And God is above it all. But you know, Satan, ever since that moment, he's been trying to do everything he can to stop you and I growing in our relationship with God. He's jealous of this relationship that you and I can have with God. And he'll do anything he can to stop us growing in our relationship with God and having a relationship with God. And over the next three weeks, I want to share about three ways, three tools that the enemy uses to stop us from growing in our relationship with God. And I've titled these, this little group of messages, Enemies of the Altar. Because as I said, you know, before we move on about how God wants to move within, you know, us as a church, I believe that we need to be reminded the enemy wants to stop you growing. And if we can begin to figure out his tactics, if we can understand how he works and some of the things he uses to stop us from growing in our relationship with God, then we'll be able to to target that, we'll be able to fight against that, and we'll be able to see victory and we'll begin to grow in our relationship with God. So this week I want to say the first way, the first enemy of the altar, the first way in which the enemy tries to stop us from growing in our relationship with Jesus And if you've got a Bible this morning, can you please turn to John chapter 10? John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And we're going to read verse 10 together. John 10, 10. And it'll be up on the screen behind me. But as I said, it says, Jesus speaking, this is, and he says, The thief's purpose, or the enemy, or Satan, his purpose is to steal kill and destroy but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life or in other translations it said Jesus says I have come so they might have life and life more abundantly but Jesus here he outlines three things that the enemy tries to do in our lives to stop us from growing in our relationship with Jesus he tries to steal he tries to kill and he tries to destroy And we're going to focus on the first thing that he tries to do within our lives. And the first thing the enemy wants to do to stop us from growing in our relationship with God is to steal. The enemy wants to steal. You might say, what's he want to steal? Does he want to steal our home? Does he want to take our possessions? What does he want to take? If he's the thief, what is he trying to steal from you and from I? I believe that the enemy, as I began praying over this, I believe the first thing the enemy tries to do to take away our personal altars, the first thing he tries to do to to stop us from having a relationship with God, the enemy tries to steal our focus. The enemy tries to steal your spiritual vision. He tries to blind you spiritually. The first enemy of the altar is distraction. That's the first enemy enemy of the altar or as we see right in the very of the beginning of the bible we see this has been a tactic that satan has used right from the very uh, very start the lust of the eyes we see in the garden of eden where eve was tempted by that fruit on that tree where god said not to eat 
He said, you can have anything else in this garden. You can enjoy it all, but you're not to eat from the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. You're not to eat from that tree. You can have everything else, but Satan comes along and he, he starts to, to tempt Eve to look at that fruit, to long for that fruit, to desire that fruit. And we see right in the very beginning of creation, Satan, the first tactic he uses, before he goes for you spiritually, before he tries to take and destroy your life, the first thing he wants to do is steal your focus, to steal your attention. The first enemy of the altar is distraction. Now, most of you know that Chloe and I, we have a dog. I love my dog. I, I know I've spoken about my dog many times. We have a dog. Our dog doesn't like Chris. When Chris comes up for connect groups, here she is. There she is. <laughs> this is our dog. She hates Chris for, some, for whatever reason. I don't know why she goes to you every time, doesn't she? But <laughs> she's a good judge of character, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but uh, we, lo we love our dog. She's our pride and joy, Charlie. Uh, she's a cochlear, and that means she's half King Charles Cavalier, and she's half Cocker Spaniel. And, you know, I, I was hoping that she'd have more of her mother's genes within her, that she'd be quiet, you know, like a King Charles, you know, we wouldn't hear her much. Unfortunately, she's got more of her father's genes, and she's more of a Spaniel. She's got the more, spa more of a Spaniel within her, which means she's, she's quite energetic. My parents know that. They take her for a walk quite regularly. She usually goes for a walk about three times a day. And she's only a little thing, she's tiny, but she, she's on the go all the time. She's looking to go all of the time. She's full of energy. And so I take her out for, for a walk every single day. And sometimes just to burn her energy off, you know, first thing in the morning, I usually take her over the country park or to Aberdeen Park just to quiet her down so I can get on with my work for the rest of the day. So I try to, try to do that first thing. And, you know, usually that walk to the country park from my house is about... 45 minutes as you know as I go for the long walk around the lake and all this and I, I usually take her on this long walk just to tire her out and uh, you know it's quite a long walk so I like to take my headphones with me I plug my phone uh, my headphones into my phone and I listen to worship music I might listen to a podcast listen to a sermon something like that and I do this every time I go for a walk and maybe some of you like to do that as well but I remember a few months ago I was, uh, I was taking her for a walk, and this was, you know, just after a few weeks after she had first started, uh, we'd first started taking her out for walks, and um, uh, we've got a, an extendable lead for her, you know, where the, the leads can go off for, for quite a ways, about five meters or so, or whatever, and uh, I remember taking her for a walk, I had my headphones on, it was a lovely morning, it was a nice dry morning, I enjoyed my walk, you know, spending time with God, listening to the Bible in a year, you know, listening to a sermon, I had a great time, and on the way back up, I'd gone down to Aberdeen Park, and, and on the way back up, I thought I'd cross, uh, cut across Broncannon football field up in Cumde. I thought I'd cut across that way and uh, go up the hill towards my home. And so, uh, Charlie loved it. You know, she loves going across the field. She loves chasing after the birds, picking up sticks and all this sort of stuff. She, she loved it. So we were crossing over the field. And I remember at one stage, uh, we were going to walk up this bank in, and at the top of the bank in is the main road. And I started walking up the bank, and the next thing you know, I heard a car beeping. And I had my headphones on, but I heard a car beeping. I thought, what on earth was that? You know, at, the mo at that moment, I was changing a sermon on my phone. I thought, what, what on earth is that noise? Next thing you know, as I looked, Charlie was over the bank, and she was in the middle of the road. I hadn't seen it because I was distracted trying to change a sermon on my phone. I hadn't seen it, but she was in the middle of the road. 
so I apologized to the woman, you know, the woman was like, you know, make sure you watch what your dog is doing. You know, I thought because she's on the lead, I thought she'd be fine, but she had got right over. She was right there in the middle of the road. Now, thank God that Chloe's in kids on this morning, because I haven't told her this story yet, so please don't say anything. <laughs> but uh, it's safe to say I learned my lesson that day. <laughs> now I watch her like a hawk. I make sure I don't, uh, I don't change my sermons when we're on a busy road. I, don't, I make sure I don't change the track on or whatever album I'm listening to. I make sure that, that uh, you know, I focused on Charlie. And I remember I picked her up and I walked her all the way home then. I didn't want to walk in at all. And, you know, it's, it was obviously my mistake. Obviously, Charlie didn't know any better. But, you know, because I got distracted, Charlie could have died. You know, I could have ended up a lot worse and my heart would have been broken. You wouldn't have seen me for months and months. <laughs> She's my baby. You know, you wouldn't have seen me for months and months. No, I'm joking. But, you know, she could have died that day all because I was distracted. You know, it's the same spiritually. Satan knows that if he can distract you, then ultimately he will destroy you. If Satan can get your focus, your spiritual focus, and then even with your natural eyes, if he can get your focus, it will lead to destruction. This is his first, first step in destroying your relationship with God. You know, on a daily basis, you and I face distractions, don't we? Things that can take our way from spending time with God. Television. The latest box set on Netflix, the latest not box set on Amazon. You know, we could spend hours binge watching TV. Maybe it's, it's work. You know, work, we all need work. Work is important. Work is vital for every single one of us. And I'm not saying, you know, skip days off. And all. I'm not saying anything like that. But, you know, people have become so busy with their jobs. There is overtime. People are doing extra, extra. And it can just consume our whole day. It can consume our whole life. And God never intended it for that. You know, we can see that we face so many distractions, social media. You know, there's a, there's a thing now on our phones that maybe you've got iPhones, maybe some of you younger people who are on your phones, maybe you notice this. There's something comes up, and for me, it's every Sunday, I get it. It's a weekly count of how long you spent on your phone that week. And it tells you how many hours you spent in front of that screen looking on social media or whatever. I know some weeks it frightens me. You know, you think of the amount of time that we can spend on our phones that can distract us and take away from God. You know, maybe school for some of you, maybe it's university. These things can take away from spending time with God. But then there are those other things, those other temptations, things in this world, a love for money. You know, I'm going to chase after money and this can take us away from God because we know even Jesus said the love of money is the root of all evil. We know that. But there are other temptations in the world in which we live in it. You know, we all know it's sex, drugs, rock and roll. All these things can pull us away from God. You know, there's gossip. That can pull us away from God's will within our lives. Financial pressure, health, conflict within our family. Friend, you know, hanging out with friends. All these things can take away from spending time with God. We can be so easily distracted and caught up focusing on all these other things within our lives rather than spending time with God. You know, God has a perfect plan for our lives. God wants to know you and I. He wants us to have a relationship with him. But the enemy knows if he can distract you just a little bit, then he's got you. If he can start, if you don't have that discipline of spending time with God within your life, he knows he's got you. 
If you prioritize watching TV or spending time with your family or friends or work or anything else, over spending some time with God every day, He knows He's got you. He knows that He's got you. As I said, we can be distracted by so many things. The enemy wants to distract us because if he can distract us, it leads to our destruction. Distraction leads to destruction. You know, I thank God though this morning that even though the enemy might want to steal our focus and he distracts us in many, many ways, and I'm guilty of this, we're all guilty of this, even though the enemy tries to distract us, I thank God this morning that there are so many examples in God's word of men and women who've overcome the enemy, and God has given us clearly in his word many tools on how to overcome the enemy. And you know, he's given us even tools in his word how to overcome distractions. Would you like to overcome distractions in your life? I know I would. And you know, one of the best examples of this in the Bible of somebody who overcame distraction was a man named Nehemiah. You might have heard of Nehemiah before, but God had given him the task. God, he was burdened. He had heard news that his city, Jerusalem, he had heard that it was destroyed, that the walls had been broken down. And he heard this and it broke his heart. And he felt like God was calling him to go and rebuild those walls, to, to restore his home city. He felt God had laid this on his heart. And you know, Nehemiah did just that. As you read the story of Nehemiah, it's amazing. He rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in just 52 days. It's a miracle. Him with, with the other people as well. He was given that task. But you know, even though he achieved his goal in the end, Nehemiah still faced many distractions. There were people who came across Nehemiah's path who tried to stop him from rebuilding the walls. There were people who were trying to distract him from completing the work that God had called him to do. And there are three things that we can learn from Nehemiah in how to overcome distraction. And the first thing that we can learn from Nehemiah is the, to surrender to God's will. If you want to overcome distraction in your life, and the first thing we need to do is to live for God and not for ourselves. It is to die to self and to live solely for God, to surrender to his will. We see even Jesus did this in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't we? Where he didn't want to go to the cross, but he cries out, Father, not my will, but your will be done. If you want to defeat distraction in your life, the first thing you've got to do is surrender your life to Jesus wholeheartedly and completely and know that your life is not your own, that you've been bought with a price, you've been bought with the price of Jesus' precious blood, that now you are his. And you know, unfortunately today, people like Jesus as their savior. We want Jesus to save us from our sin, but we also know that Jesus is Lord of our lives as well. And that means he is in control of all of our lives and we give our lives to him. But many people don't want to do that today. You know, Jesus, save me from my sins, but I don't want to follow you. I don't want to do this. I want, Jesus, will you follow me instead? Will you do this in my life? Well, that's not how it works. You know, as I said many times before, either, either Jesus is Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. And you can't have either but all. He's either Lord of all your life, and you've given him access to every area of your life. You've surrendered your life to him and doing his will in your life. Or he's not Lord at all. And you know, the first thing we see in Nehemiah's life, how he overcame distraction, is that Nehemiah was surrendered completely to the will of God. He gave his life completely to God's will in his life, to God's plan, to God's purposes. He gave his life wholeheartedly to God. As I said, Nehemiah, he, he had a pretty important job as well. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. Now you might say, what does that mean? Does he bring cups to the king? No. Nehemiah, he had this important job. Nehemiah had to test 
the drinks of the king before the, uh, before the king drank it. And he would have to test it for poison. That's pretty pretty important job, isn't it? Anybody want that job? Anybody want to test my drinks before? <laughs> no? He had to test these drinks to make sure there wasn't poison in these drinks, to make sure that the, the king would be okay. Now, this was a, a very important role. He was in close contact with royalty, with the king at that time. And as I said, he hears them. All of a sudden, he has this incredible job with the king, but all of a sudden, he hears his hometown has been completely destroyed. Imagine that you're working for the queen, you're a cupbearer for the queen in Buckingham Palace, and all of a sudden, you hear Abadeh has been destroyed. Or wherever you're from, imagine that. All of a sudden, Nehemiah, his heart breaks. His heart breaks, and he knows that God is burdening him with this. God is laying this on his heart, and he believes that God is calling him to go and rebuild the walls. And instead of just dealing with this and just ignoring this issue, Nehemiah does something brave. Nehemiah goes to the king and he asks the king, can I go and rebuild the walls of my city that's been broken down? He tells him the whole situation. He says, can I go? I know even before he actually goes to see the king, we see the Nehemiah praise. He calls upon God and he says, God, grant me favor today with the king. And we see that he goes to the king and he asks the king, look, can I go back? You know the miracle in that is that the king says, yes, you can go back. But not only does the king say, yes, you can go and rebuild the walls, even though he had this important job. Not only does he say, you can go and rebuild the walls, but the king says, I'll give you all the supplies you need. What supplies do you need? Talk about the favor of God. But you know, all this happened because Nehemiah surrendered to the will of God. Nehemiah made a decision, I want God's will to be done in my life. Above everything else, I want to live for God alone. I want to put him first in my life. I want to be obedient to the will of God in my life. And listen to what it says in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 8. Listen to the king's response. I love this. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, And please give me a letter of address to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need to make it beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And listen, And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. If you want to know God's hand upon your life, then you're going to need to surrender to the will of God in your life. If you want to know the favor of God on your life, and not, I don't mean financial favor and all these things. If you want to know spiritual blessing and God's power and his presence within your life, then it all starts with surrendering into the will of God. And say, God, I want to be obedient to whatever you're calling me to do. I want to live my life completely to you. You know, surrendering to God's will and knowing that we are in the center of his will. This ultimately will give us confidence against any enemies that we might face. You know, when we know that God has called us to something and we give ourselves completely to it, no matter what comes against us, if God has called us to it, he will give us everything we need to accomplish that task. You can be sure of that. You can be guaranteed of that. So no matter what the enemy might come against you, if you surrender to God's will... God will be there with you. He will bring you through it. He will give you all that you need for that situation. And he will help you not to get sidetracked in that. And I've experienced that even in my own life. I face difficulties on a daily basis, spiritual struggles, battles. I encounter it. But when you're in the will of God and you surrender to God's will and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. You can be guaranteed that God will fight for you. That he will be there with you. He will bring you through and he will give you all that you need. So the first way in overcoming distraction, 
If you feel distracted and you feel like the enemy's pulling you away from time with God, make a decision in your life. I'm going to surrender to God's will above all else. I don't want to live my life for me. I want to live my life completely, solely focused on God. I want His will to be done in my life. The second way that we can overcome distraction is to be determined. To be determined. Or to be single-minded is another, another way of saying this. To be solely focused on what God has called you to do. And your relationship with God. You know, you would have thought, wouldn't you, that Nehemiah, he decided, I'm going to go and rebuild the walls. You'd think the people would be all there for him, supporting him, encouraging him. Well done, Nehemiah. You know, fantastic, great. You're going to do this amazing task. But actually, not everyone was pleased with Nehemiah about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Not everyone was pleased. Not everyone. You know, we can be sure that whenever we're in the center of God's will and we long to do the work of the Lord, there will always be those who come along to distract us and to stop us from carrying God's will and purpose out within our lives. I can guarantee it. If you want to know God in a greater way and you want to see His will performed in your life, you want to know His will in your life, I can guarantee you that the enemy will not let you just let this happen. He will do everything he can to stop this from happening and he'll bring people along your way to pull you away from that. And you know the most surprising thing that I found? It's often not the people you think it'd be. It's those who are closest to you. God will use people who you were fre maybe friends, sometimes even family members. The enemy will try and use people just to pull you away and stop you from achieving, uh, stop you from living out God's purpose and will in your life. But I can guarantee you, no matter who it is, whether it's someone in the workplace, whether it's somebody on the streets, whether it's someone in your own home, the enemy will not settle for it when God, God's got his hand upon your life. He will do everything he can to stop that happening. And we see that with Nehemiah. Nehemiah wasn't exempt from this. There were two guys in particular who tried to slow Nehemiah down in the rebuilding pro process and tried to stop him from rebuilding. And their names were Sanbalt and Tob uh, Tobiah. These two guys came up and at first they were all nicey-nicey with Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah, you know, you sure you want to do this? Or, you know, and all this. Then all of a sudden, they tried to do everything they can to stop Nehemiah from rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And time and time again, you read it in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he's up on the wall, he's rebuilding the wall. There are people there rebuilding. Next thing you know, Sanbalt and Tobiah come along and they'd ask Nehemiah to stop working. Come down, have a meeting with us. We want to chat, we want to discuss. You know, we see that, that Nehemiah, he was distracted. There were people who were trying to distract him time and time again. You know, I love what Nehemiah says in Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 9. This is once he completed the task, this is. Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 9. And he says this. He's talking about Sambal and Tobiah. He says, they were try just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us, imagining that they could discourage us from and stop the work. And listen to what he says. So I continued the work with even greater determination. These guys tried to stop Nehemiah. They tried to stop him from working. They tried to distract him. They tried to pull meetings. They tried to discourage him. They tried to get authorities involved. All these things to try and stop Nehemiah from carrying out the work that God had called him to do. But I, I love how Nehemiah responded in all this. He ignored them. Nehemiah was solely focused on the work that God had for him. 
He was solely focused on that God-given task. And you know, if you, be, if you don't want to be distracted by the enemy, then I encourage you, be focused on what God has called you to do. Get closer to Jesus. Focus, fix your eyes on Jesus. Get closer to him. If you want to grow in your relationship and you don't want to be distracted, get closer to Jesus. Keep, make sure your gaze is firmly set on Jesus at all times. When we are fixed on Jesus, we will not be distracted. We will not be distracted. I want to encourage you, if you want to overcome distractions, you've got to be solely focused on Jesus and all that he's called you to do. And if you think this is just Old Testament, listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Are you running that race that God has set before you? Are you chasing after all that God has laid on your heart? Are you chasing after that? The writer here is saying, run that race with endurance, that race that God has set before us. And listen to what he says. This is how we do it. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith, faith. Because the joy that was awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Jesus endured the cross. Jesus was determined. Even though people told him not to do it. Even though Peter said not to do it. Even though the enemy tried to tell Jesus not to go to the cross. Even though his own flesh tried to say, you know, I don't want to do this, Father. When he was praying in the garden, we see that Jesus cried out, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus went to the cross. And we see that he won the victory on the cross. He rose again and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, overcome it all. Jesus was determined. He endured. And he endured because of his love for you and I. He endured all our pain, all our suffering, all our shame. He bore our sin because of his love for you and for me. And you know, it's the same for you and I. If we want to overcome distractions... And we do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the one who overcame, the one who was determined, the one who never gave up. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you want to run and you want to know God in a greater way, fix your eyes on Jesus. And finally, very quickly, the third way that we won't give in to distraction in our lives is to continually depend on God. And we will never get away from this. No matter how strong we think we are spiritually no matter you know all, all that's happened in the past within our lives we will always be in need of God every single day we are totally dependent wholeheartedly on him we need him as our hymn says as I've said many times again I need thee I need thee every hour I need thee we need God and we need to continually depend on God if you don't want to be distracted if you want to overcome the enemy, then you need to be in a constant place of dependence upon the power and strength of God. You know, there were people who came against Nehemiah who were mocking him. Can you imagine that? God has called you to do something and all of a sudden you get people coming to mock you, making fun of you, trying to distract you, trying to get you to stop doing that work. You know, if I was Nehemiah, I'm sure I would have been discouraged. I would have stopped. I would have felt, you know, what's the point? All these enemies coming up again. What's the point in carrying on? I can't take this anymore. But did Nehemiah pack it in? 
Did he give up even though all his enemies came against him? We see that Nehemiah didn't give up. He completed that task of rebuilding the walls. But you know the secret of that? The reason why he continued? Is because he was continually depending on God. He continually called upon God. He continually put his trust in God. And God gave him all that he needed. That inner strength to overcome. He gave him all that he needed. And I love what he said once he completed that task in Nehemiah 6 verse 15 to 16. It says this. So on, top, uh, on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had, be done, had been done with the help of our God. God helped Nehemiah complete that task. And the reason God helped Nehemiah to complete that task is because Nehemiah completely trusted God and he completely depended on God continually. Day after day for those 52 days, he was dependent on God. Even from the start, he asked God that God would make a way for this to happen. But all the way through that process, Nehemiah depended on God. You know, if we want to live our lives for the Lord, if we want to grow in our relationship with him, and we don't want to get distracted, then we're going to need God's help. You can't overcome the enemy in your own strength. But the Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, by my spirit. Jesus said in the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and be sure I am with you always to the very end of the age. We don't have to do this on our own. God is with us. God is for us. He will give us all that we need to overcome the enemy, to not get distracted. He will give us all that we need. And I want to encourage you, if you want to grow in your relationship with God and not get distracted, fix your eyes on Jesus and depend on him. Say, God, I need your help today. I'm getting distracted. God, help me. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil as Jesus taught us to pray. I encourage you, pray and call upon the Lord. So as we come to a conclusion, as I said, the enemy is going to do all he can to stop you from growing in the Lord. And the first thing he wants to do is to steal you and I, our focus. He wants to steal our spiritual vision. He wants to distract us by looking at everything else apart from looking at Jesus. He'll do everything he can. But know this morning that you and I can overcome the distractions of the enemy by surrendering to God's will in our life, by being focused and determined, by fixing our eyes on Jesus by continually depending on the Lord. Maybe you've come here this morning and you are, have been distracted recently. You might say, Pastor Luke, you know, I, I've, I've lost my way. I've lost, I, I just can't get back there. How, what am I to do? You know, I, I, I've, I've been distracted. I've taken my, my eyes off Jesus. Just like when Peter walked on the water, as he focused on Jesus, you know, when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. We see that happen. But you know the amazing thing and the part I love about that is that even though Peter began to sink, Jesus reached down and he picked him back up again. Know this morning that if you've been distracted by the enemy, if he's stolen your focus, know that Jesus can help you to regain that focus. That Jesus is there to pick you up again. 
he will help you again to get back on that track, to keep focused and start again seeking and pursuing God's will for your life. Only Jesus can save you this morning. If you were distracted, only Jesus can save you. And I want to encourage you, call on him. God, help me again, get my vision back. Help me get my eyes on you again. Help me to focus on you once again. Today, call on Jesus and he will save you and restore your spiritual vision. Because know this morning, the Satan didn't give you your vision. God give you your vision. It is God's vision and he can get you focused on him again. Satan might try to distract you, but God give you that vision. Focus on him. Call upon Jesus this morning. Amen. Shall we pray? Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.